What we've been seeing in this series is that it's only by and through Jesus that we see who God really is. There's all these Bible stories, these, these threads, these examples from Scripture which are pulled together and completed in the person of Jesus Christ. And today our theme is of the true and better feast, feast or, or festival. Uh, a feast is, well, self-explanatory, it's, it's when you feast. Um, uh, last week was my birthday and we feasted for uh, my birthday. We love a feast. We love a feast, we know what that means, it means eating and drinking, but um, festival in some ways is probably a more helpful term for thinking about what we're talking about today. Uh, last weekend should have been the biggest festival the UK has each year, Glastonbury Festival, that was of course cancelled because of uh, COVID-19. But what festivals involve are celebration, partying, lights, food and drink, and we see those kind of themes in the readings we're gonna be looking at from John today. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet being glorified. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Before we get into the detail of what this is about, we need to understand where it was that it was all happening. So this took place, this scene takes place at the feast or the festival of tabernacles, also called the feast or festival of booths and this is one of the three great festivals that the Jewish people celebrated each year. Grace is going to read from Deuteronomy to explain that. Three times a year all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks and the festival of tabernacles. So three festivals, first one, festival of, of unleavened bread, also same festival, same time as the Passover, that happens in the spring. And this festival, this feast celebrates the Exodus, the time when the people of Israel were led out of Egypt by Moses and rescued through the Red Sea. So this festival then is all about freedom and God bringing deliverance and life. The second festival was the Festival of Weeks, also called the Festival of Pentecost, which happened 50 days after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, after the Passover. So now we're into the summer. And uh, this festival celebrated the giving of the law to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. I think in this festival we can see how God is emphasising how special his people are to him. He's actually also showing them how to live and he's showing them that they are different from all the nations around them. 
And then the third great festival, the one that we're focusing on today, is the Festival of Tabernacles, the fest Festival of Booths, and this now is in the autumn. And uh, this festival was a time when the people celebrated the way in which God provided for them for the 40 years that they were wandering in the wilderness after leaving Egypt before coming to the Promised Land. And the focus of this festival really is to show that they were the recipients of many miracles and actually that God was the one who was providing directly for them. Another thing to think about is the fact that we love festivals ourselves, and we actually, maybe without thinking about it, our, our year falls into three distinct parts. We think about our Christmas holidays, we think about our Easter holidays, and the one that we look forward to maybe most of all is the long summer holidays. But this isn't quite the same emphasis as we have in these festivals. Yeah, so these festivals not only kind of uh, points which mark the calendar of the year but really give a sense of identity who are we as a people who are we as as the people of Israel we're the people who were rescued out of Egypt we're the people who've been given the law of God and we're the people for whom God made special provision and that means that these festivals were a time of celebration and actually the people were commanded to celebrate this is what the scripture says be joyful at your festival for the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands and your joy will be complete. So all the festivals were a time for rejoicing, that's what festivals are, they meant it's a time of feasting, it's a time of partying, it's a time of celebration but the Feast of Tabernacles was the biggest party of all and for a week uh, the people of Israel were called to live in tents, in booths, in tabernacles uh, to remember how they did that when they were in the wilderness and uh, remember how God blessed them and helped them in that. So this was a whole week of celebration. Uh, we should have been, as a church, in a couple of weeks' time, going away together for a church camp, uh, in tents, in booths, in tabernacles ourselves, and that would have been a great time to celebrate. Uh, but that gives you the kind of picture of what the people were celebrating each year at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, it's in this context, so this feast, but Jesus stands up and calls all the attention to himself. And Jesus does this on the last and the greatest day of the feast. This is the, the climax of the week of celebrations. And Jesus stands up and says, come to me and drink. I am the light of the world. And we really need to understand the significance of these claims that Jesus is making and how they relate directly to what was happening at the feast, what was being celebrated at the festival. Now every day of the feast, the high priest would go to the pool of Siloam and bring a golden flagon of water from there to the table. And then the priests would parade the uh, golden flagon of water around the altar. The choir would sing from Psalm 118, which is the psalm all about God's victory and God's provision. And the people would cry out, give thanks to the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, give thanks to the Lord. And then the priests would take the water and also some wine and they would pour out the water and the wine. I'm not going to pour my wine, I'm just pouring the water. Splashing grace, sorry. Uh, they pour today, so out fine. the water and the wine before the Lord. Now what this was all about was looking back to the provision of water in the wilderness. Remember the story, the people were in the wilderness, they had nothing to drink and God, through Moses, did a miracle. Moses struck the rock and a fountain of water gushed out and the people drank. But also, 
this pouring out of water is looking forward, looking forward to the uh, time when the Spirit of God in the last days, in the Messianic age, will be poured out over the whole earth. And then every evening of the feast, four huge lamps were lit in the courts of the temple, which cast a glow over Jerusalem. And then they were singing and dancing and partying throughout the night, the seven nights of the feast. So you can imagine the scene of the feast. I mean, it's all hugely visual. You've got the priests parading around with water and wine, pouring that out over the altar and down the steps of the temple. You've got the lamps at night, people partying and celebrating. Um, it's all very visual, all very celebratory. It tells a story of the past and also anticipates a better future. What water and light represent our life. Without water, without light, we die. And then Jesus stands up on the last of the greatest day of the feast and he says, I am the true water. I am the better light. He's claiming that all the things which are most central to the feast actually point to him, that all the things which are happening, the lamps which are being lit, the water that's being brought and poured out, all these things are just shadows of the real thing. Actually, he is the real thing. What he's doing is claiming to be Messiah. He's claiming to be Savior. He's claiming to be Lord. He's claiming to be Rescuer. He's claiming to be King. And the things which Jesus enacts and speaks of at this day on the feast are things which the prophets in the Old Testament scriptures spoke about a lot. They often spoke about one who would come bringing the water and the light of God. We're going to read some of those prophetic promises. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Your sun will never set again and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of sorrow will end. In that day the mountains will drip new wine and the hills will flow with milk. All the ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of acacias. On that day, living water will flow out of Jerusalem, half of it east to the Dead Sea and half of it west to the Mediterranean Sea in summer and in winter. The Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. So when Jesus stands up on the last day of the feast and says, I am the true water, I am the better light, what he's really doing is saying, look, all these promises the prophets uh, God made through the pro prophets are being fulfilled in me. Everything you're celebrating at this festival is made real in me. This isn't just about provision for 40 years in the wilderness. What this is about is forever, for everywhere and for everyone. So if it's forever and for everywhere and for everyone, that must include us. And we need to start thinking about how that applies to us. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, 
he didn't say if you have the right amount of money or if you're qualified or surrendered deeply enough he will actually satisfy you he just said anyone if you're thirsty you can come to me so what does that thirst look like well it looks like looking for more more provision more purpose you want more out of life you feel like you're strongly desiring thirsting for it if you feel like that come to jesus he will not turn you away and jesus says that he's going to give us rivers of living water think about again all those old testament prophecies which talked about these rivers flowing out from the temple flowing out to the seas bringing life bringing refreshment uh, that's represented at the feast as the priests poured out water day by day but now Jesus is saying that he is the source of that water. And that water is the Holy Spirit. That's what John says in saying this, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. But then John adds a kind of a, a sidebar, a bit of a note. He says the Spirit hadn't yet been given at this point. So when John says the Spirit hasn't yet been given, does that mean the Holy Spirit didn't exist? No, of course not, because the Holy Spirit is uh, part of the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit together. But what John means is that the age of the Spirit didn't happen until after the events of Easter. Of course, Easter happened at Passover. Passover was the time of sacrifice. Sacrifice which qualified the people to uh, come out of slavery in Egypt into life, passing through the Dead Sea. Jesus, at Passover, sacrificed himself. The age of the Spirit begins after that. And then the personal gift of the Holy Spirit begins at the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, the law was given to the people of Israel at Pentecost, teaching them how to live. Now the Spirit of God poured out on the day of Pentecost and God's people filled with God's Spirit so they would know how to live. So we, we need to see how Jesus fulfills uh, all that these three feasts represent. He is our Passover lamb. He's the one who's brought us out of slavery and he is our Pentecost. He's brought us into the rule of God. He's brought us into life in the spirit and he is our tabernacle. He's provided us with life, not just living in tents out in the wilderness, but he's brought us into a home. He brings us home in himself. This is such good news how Jesus fulfills all these different festivals and what they were offering. He calls us to be part of a family. He empowers us by the power of his Holy Spirit. This is good if you are thirsty. You mm. really can come to him and find satisfaction. And Jesus says that there's going to be rivers of living water. That means a constant flow of the Holy Spirit. And that, that must mean that that's true even when we're not aware of it and certainly my experience, about you, it can be times when I don't feel quite so aware of rivers of living water flowing through me. But I think it's a bit like the plumbing in my house. To be honest, I'm not usually thinking, not usually aware of the plumbing. There's water flowing through my house constantly. It's when I turn on a tap, turn on the shower that I become aware of it. Uh, and, and, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us is something like that. He's always at work in us. He's always flowing through us. He's always available and as well as this living water Jesus talks about being this true and better light and this is a light which can never be extinguished it's light to see by uh, that's what life in Christ is like now Jesus made an exclusive claim here he said that he alone is the light the, the only way you can really know God be joined to God is through Christ but it's also an inclusive 
inclusive offer because Jesus said that he's the light of the whole world. So again, this is an offer to all of us. You can come and, if you're thirsty, you can come and drink. Uh, if you feel that you're caught in the darkness, you can come and stand in the light of Christ. Uh, Irenaeus, who is one of the uh, famous church leaders very early in the history of the church, um, a, a disciple of, of John himself, he said that the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. And what Jesus is doing here on this uh, last and greatest day of the feast is offering us life. He's offering us water to drink and he's offering us light to see by. That's the, that's the feast we're offered. That's the festival we've come to. And if you look at the plants, you can see all around us now, it's light and water that making them flourish and there just is no way to stop yourself from being stunted and underfed if you don't have this water and this light so it's good news you will flourish if you come to Jesus we are leaky as people and we quite often hide ourselves in the shadows when we've done things wrong but Jesus is calling us out from the shadows into his beautiful light so that we can be fruitful and flourish now there's times when life can feel very dry and when the world can feel very dark and I guess for lots of us we've gone through something of that experience during lockdown that's felt pretty dry and it's felt pretty dark but Jesus says come and drink and come into the light. Now the, the festivals, the, the three festivals, the festival of, of uh, Pentecost, the festival Passover, the Festival of the Tabernacles, these shaped and defined how the people of Israel were to live. But Jesus, who is true and better, defines what life is to be for us. The, the, the festivals were a time of celebration. We have much greater reason to celebrate. As well as cause of celebration now, we also have an anticipation of what this means for us eternally. Now, the story we've been looking at today is told in the Gospel of John, but John was also given a revelation, a vision of how things will be in the end. And this is what John records right at the end of that vision. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. What we see in this vision, the vision of the end of the ages, is again water and light, not drought and darkness. What we have is life and health and wholeness. And isn't that what our hearts long for? We're looking for life, we're looking for health, we're looking for wholeness. And Jesus says we find those things in him. I am the water of life. I am the true and eternal light. It's as we come to Christ, as we look back at all the promises that God has made, as we look back at God's dealings with his people, as we uh, see what Jesus claims from himself, as we see what scripture tells us about the future, we see this promise of water, of light, 
given to us that we might know life, healing, wholeness. That's the true and better news of the gospel. Let's pray together. Jesus, you promised living water to all who believe in you and eternal light to those who follow you. I choose to believe and follow you today. Where I am thirsty, let me drink from you. Where I see darkness, let your light shine. Holy Spirit, fill me in you, that I might more fully know and follow Jesus. Cause me to be fully alive in your power, so that my life would bring glory to God. Amen.